Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, America's second favorite podcast where we bring the dark to light, where history never dies, and where listener discretion is always advised. Now, of course, we'd love to make fun of and joke about the creepy and unsolved mysteries of the world, all while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. Kind of a comedy podcast, I guess you'd say. I mean, we are hilarious. Kind of, yeah, but only when we look at ourselves in the mirrors. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, things can get dark. We talk about some dark topics, but we try to keep it lighthearted. And if you're not into that, listen, no hard feelings. We get it. But give us a chance. You just might think it's the most amazing thing you've ever heard in your entire life. And... With me, of course, is the one, the only, Logan Sayer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yay. I is here. I is happy. Happy New Year. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It is another year. Yeah. Happy New Year to everyone out there listening right now. To all you beautiful passengers. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it is uh, It is that time of, of the year where the year starts over. And we, we start anew. And our depression is still there. <laughs> <laughs> we start fresh. We start new. We, we, uh, we, we have a chance to wipe the slate clean. Is that how that works? It, that's what they say. Well, according to uh, the, to Santa Claus, he doesn't keep track between the 26th and the 31st. So basically, it's like anything goes at that point, you know? It's like, uh, um, um, what do they call that? What's that? The movie? Purge. The Purge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that damn noise is. So yeah, hi. I Hopefully, you guys had a great holiday season. Hopefully, you guys are, you know enjoying the new year so far you're getting you know not eating chicken because i guess that's a bad thing for new year's instead you're supposed to eat pork really i believe and then and then my wife told me something today that you're supposed to open all the windows in your or the doors in your house to let all the bad juju go did you put a dollar over your your doorstep so money always comes in as well too i I don't do any of that i didn't even hear about that and to me i'm thinking it's cold outside yeah why would i open the doors you know? I don't know. I don't know, but if you do that, I'd love to hear what your guys' superstitions are with that whole thing. Because, you know, like I said, it's a new year. It's 2023. Yeah. It's Holy a- crap, I'm old. You know what's funny, though? Uh, what? No one likes you when you're 23, so that means no one's going to like this year. Nobody's liked the past, what, five years? Yeah, ever since Harambe died, man, it's just been fucked up. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, the, the universe has been out of line, out of whack. Yeah. It's crazy. So listen. Patreon, mm-hmm. all you beautiful first class motherfuckers, get on over there. We've got some cool stuff happening, and uh, you know, like we recently did, uh, you know, the guy that unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but the guy that was executed. Yes, we did that guy. Um, what we, what we do? What was our last Patreon? I feel like it's been so long. It has been so long. What did we do? We did hmm. something fun. Well, there's a lot of them. There's, yeah, a, lot there's of a lot of bonuses over there, and you can also get ad free episodes like our regular episode ad free over there just for signing up for as little as five doll hairs a month that is very nice it's a deal it's a steal and that price will never go up for you guys now listen there are other tiers in there we can get some cool stuff too yeah get on over to uh, patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast or the midnight train podcast.com right all right enough of all the bs and all the hubbub bub we're gonna go uh, right into this because this is a this is a crazy story, man. Yeah, it's very weird. It's weird only because of the. Uh, we'll, we'll just get into it, you know. It's so first, I tell you what. Let's turn down the lights. Ooh. Adjust our seats. Mm-hmm. Grab a drink. Got it. And let's get witchy. Let's get stuck. Ooh. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's that is fucked up. Anyway, here's a toast. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's all you beautiful motherfuckers. Was that? Well, 
obviously you could probably tell there's a new drink pop that was amazing yeah that is uh, that's the cool whips 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 do they like wheat thins they do like wheat thins and will wheaten oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the Cool Whips, and that, that is the new drink pop for 2023. Figured we'd get some oomph in there. It's cool, man. It's, I like it. It's hype. You know why I like it, though? Why? Because we are epic as fuck. We are epic as fuck. That's what I'm saying. It's pretty dope. You know? And you know why the band, why that band, the Cool Whips, were called that? Because they're all white. And they're sweet. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, listen. We're talking about something kind of crazy, um, and this was something that uh, really plagued and still kind of plagues um, England, especially the time where it came from, yeah. and that whole surrounding area, for a while, and I've heard about the story a lot, okay, and uh, it's it's just really weird, but first of all, let's talk, all right, what is a witch elm? Um, I don't know. What is it, witch like W-I-T-C-H? No, it would be witch like W-Y-C-H. So it's not W-H-I-C-H. Correct. It's which, not like which is which. It's not like which way. Is it which which is which? The which is the, which which is the witch. So the wicked witch of the east is the wicked witch of the west's sister. This is the witch that isn't the witch that you think is the witch. This you, is the witch that is not the witch. The other witch is witch. These are not the witches you're looking for. Correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the Elmus Glabra Hudson, ooh, or the witch elm, also known as the Scots elm has the most extinct, extensive, that's way to start 2023, <laughs> extensive range of all the European elm species extending from Ireland to the Urals in the east and from the Arctic Circle south to the mountains of Sicily and the Peloponnese in the south. Ooh. I honestly thought I was going to screw that word up. I, Instead, extensive was the one I <laughs> It's fun. It's also found in Iran. Okay, It is a sizable deciduous tree that prefers moist soils and high humidity levels. It is primarily a montane species, occurring at the heights of up to 1,500 meters or 4,900 feet. It's pretty epic. It's pretty high. It's yeah. epic as fuck. Yeah. And deciduous tree, of course, means... That it's got the little the little piney thingies on it? That would be a coniferous tree. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> deciduous means that it loses its leaves right. in the fall and then regrows them in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Like an apple tree. If you will. Or a maple tree. Correct. Or we could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many trees. Hey, Logan. What's up? Hey. Hi. Do me a favor. Okay. Smell me. Wait, what? Just smell me. Okay. Yeah, smell that? Yeah, it smells good, good doesn't it? It does. Because that's Dr. Squatch. Oh, really? Of course. It's the best soap. And we talk about Dr. Squatch all the time on the show. And guess what? What? Our listeners right now can actually save... 20% off of orders of $20 or more on their first purchase. No way. Yeah. They can try it out. If you haven't tried out Dr. Squatch, what are you waiting for? You can literally save 20%. Just go to the midnighttrainpodcast.com, click on sponsor deals, scroll down a little bit, and uh, click on that banner, the Dr. Squatch banner. You'll see it. And uh, yeah, I smell pretty good, don't I? Yeah, you smell great. Yeah. Thank God I showered today. Thankfully. So this wacky tree is currently recognized as the only undeniably native elm species to the British Isles and was by far the most prevalent elm in the north and west of the British Isles. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yes. The tree is sometimes referred to as the Scotch or Scots elm because of its propensity to consume large amounts of single malt without having a hangover. Must be fucking nice. I know, right? Damn. I wish I was this tree. Nope, I'm kidding. As impressive as that would be, it is often referred to as a Scotch elm due to its former abundance in Scotland. 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 Oh, that's a great tree. <laughs> oh, I love that tree. I sit out there with my Scotch. Single malt, of course, the blends. Oh, it's not as good. And I'll sit there with that tree and I'll hug my tree. And the more I drink, the better it looks, you know what I mean? <laughs> So Lac Le Monde in Scotland is said to be a mashup of the Gaelic Lac Le Lehman, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, uh, which some have translated as uh, Lake of the Elms. Lehman is the plural form of Liam or Lem or Elm. Hmm. See all that kind of all comes back? It's a circle. <laughs> it's a circle. <laughs> it's not square. It's a circle. All right, so back to the shit that matters here. And why exactly are we talking about a fucking tree right now? Because it's a fucking cool tree. It is a cool tree. And the S Scottish people, listen, kilts, mm -hmm. scotch, mm -hmm. golf, yeah, cool-ass tree. And they throw those cool-ass trees. Y yeah. Yeah. Do they really? 
Yeah, they cut the logs down, and that's what they use the, 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 the strongman competitions where they run and throw the fucking... Why are they so ginormous over there? Because they're Vikings at one point. I guess. Some of those... I mean, some... I saw a dude... <laughs> this is our first derail of the, uh, the, the year. I saw a dude walk on stage in, like, average normal-sized dudes or whatever. He looked like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. I mean, just massive. Mm-hmm. I think his name is something like that, too. It's like... It, it, is it Hulk? No, I don't know. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway... <laughs> So as dusk was falling on April 18th of 1943, four teenage boys were cautiously trudging through Hagley Woods. This stretch of woodland was situated on the grounds of the impressive Hagley Hall estate, which belonged to Lord Cobham. 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 Yes. Oh. Cobham. 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 I like my ham on the cob. I I like ham. (laughs) Whatever. So the young whippersnappers, Robert Hart, Thomas Willits, Bob Farmer, and Fred Payne, were either approaching rabbits or nesting birds when they stumbled across a big Welsh elm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the witch elm, if you will. Ooh. Yeah. Or maybe they were just boys peeing on the tree. Who knows? Anyway, we weren't there and we're not doctors. So we cannot tell you. But we can tell you that they were braving the dangers of getting caught by an angry gamekeeper and they were looking for excitement to take their minds off the nightly German Luftwaffe's bombing raids. The Luftwaffe. Luftwaffe! Ah! Oh! <laughs> These terribly catastrophic raids were wreaking havoc in Birmingham, their hometown. And they had their dogs with them and hoped to supplement their family's meager meat ration with a poached rabbit or, you know, or two or maybe, or, or, or birds, as, you know, we mentioned before. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. So little Bobby Farmer, or Bobby the Bird Whisperer, as I like to call him, <laughs> um, attempted to scale the tree because he thought it would be an excellent area to look for birds' nests, okay, and uh, whisper those little motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Uh, okay, okay. Hey, bird. Hey, bird. Mine? <laughs> All right. Uh, of course, I, I made the nickname up, but, but it works anyway. So he uh, he looked down into the hollow trunk. So as he's climbing up for this or whatever, he looks down and, um, you know, he climbed up uh, to his vantage point, kind of looking up. And, and then all of a sudden he just, he sees Chainsaw's wallet chain. That motherfucker. I know. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> of course not, you silly fuckers. He found a skull. Ooh. Initially, he thought it belonged to an animal, and I'm not sure what animals they have hiding in trees with a big-ass nugget like that. Yeah. But, regardless, still, when he noticed human hair and teeth, he pissed his pants and realized he had discovered a human skull. The bird whisperer apparently picked the damn thing up and seemingly disrupted the entire crime scene. Way to go. Way to go, Bobby. Way to go. He then returned the skull, you know, obviously because the boys were trespassing on the property. He didn't want to get busted for being there. And, uh, you know, obviously... He was looking at birds, huh? Isn't that another name for dames? <clears throat> dames? Yeah, like females. Birds? Birds. Ooh. Yeah. That is a fancy looking bird. Yeah. Well, I wonder if, uh, you know, hot Miss Crabapple left her curtains open. Maybe that's why he was up in that tree. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. He was a bird watcher. Yeah. Right. Look at that bird over there. Mm, see? Anyway, the four alleged perverts, sorry, just kidding, uh, went home without telling anyone that they had actually found a human fucking skull. So now the youngest boy, 17-year-old Tommy Tunican Willits, wasn't cool with what he had seen. And when he got home, he decided to tell his parents that Bobby was a voyeur and that they uh, found someone's rotted brain shell. Did you just say Tunican? Yeah. I made that name up, too. It's fine. Um, okay, maybe Bobby wasn't scoping out Miss Crabapple and he's not a voyeur or whatever. But again, we weren't there, you know? No. But maybe Chainsaw was. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I had too much fun with that. <laughs> When the authorities examined the tree's trunk, they discovered a tarnished wallet chain, a nearly complete skeleton, a size five and a half crepe sold shoe, a cheap imitation gold wedding band, and scraps of poor quality clothing hanging from the bones. Mm. Okay. The skull was an essential piece of evidence. Why? Well, it's a fucking human skull. Yeah. And it still had some hair tufts and particular dental patterns despite having some teeth missing. Oh. In addition, some pieces of hand, uh, of hand, were discovered further away from the tree after a deeper investigation. Oh. Okay, so they actually found the body, and then they found a... Hand. A disembodied hand elsewhere. Yeah. And, of course, they didn't find a, a wallet chain, you silly bastards. Anyway, so the medical examiner, Professor James Webster, no, not the dictionary guy, Damn. submitted the body for a forensic uh, assessment. Oh. Yeah, he was the examiner, if you will. Webster found a piece of taffeta in her mouth, which suggested that the person had died from suffocation. Now, what is taffeta? See, I originally thought it was just a, a, a piece of Laffy Taffy. But like... My Laffy Taffy. taffy. <laughs> My Laffy Taffy. No, it is not. 
Taffeta is a crisp, plain woven fabric made uh, most of uh, mostly of uh, silk. Uh, still, it can also be woven with uh, polyester, nylon, acetate, and other synthetic fibers. Taffeta fabric typically has a lustrous, shiny appearance. It can uh, vary in weight from light to medium and in levels of sheerness, depending on the type of fiber used and the tightness of the weave. So there you go. Hmm. And if you've ever seen uh, Young Frankenstein, yeah. where he's getting on the train in the very beginning and he's like hugging her mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, darling. She's like, taffeta, darling, taffeta. Because she doesn't want uh, to get wrinkled. Get, I thought he was, okay, never mind. Yeah, I, you thought he, she wanted some candy? I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget your taffeta. Yeah. So not the dictionary guy soon figured out that the woman was around th- around 35 years old, had irregular teeth in her upper jaw, had light brown hair, and was just five foot tall, or 1.52 meters for all of those super smart people hmm. out there. Yes. Yes. Out there. Out there. <laughs> out there. Uh, he determined that the woman had given birth to one child in her lifetime and had been deceased for at least 18 months. Oof. Yeah. This placed the uh, period of death in or around October of 1941. Wow. Okay. He also concluded that the body must have been placed in the trunk still warm after the killing since it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't fit once rigor mortis actually set in. Ah. Okay. And that's based on the measurement of the trunk of the tree. Cool, yeah. Okay. So in other words, like, you, you're going to have to... You can't be all stiff and be shoved into something. You have to be more pliable, dare I say. Or was that the reason why there was parts missing off of said person so oh. they could fit into the trunk? We shall talk. Oh, yes. shall we? We shall. We, we will talk about that. <laughs> so finally, he stated, quote, I cannot imagine a woman accidentally slipping in there. Neither do I think it reasonable for a woman to crawl into that place to commit suicide. Which feels pretty obvious to me, but. Unless they. What else? Yeah, I don't know. Was that a thing back then? Uh, just hiding in a trunk tree. Yeah, I, I, either that or she was a really good hide and seeker. May, maybe, mm. and maybe too good. Too a little too good because it took a while to find her. Eighteen months. Yeah. Uh. So Professor W here also stated that the uh, victim would most likely have been killed close to the spot where she was found. Otherwise, the killer would not have been able to transport her body to the tree due to the rigor. Yes. Okay. Makes sense. Yes. Quote, it was an excellent place for the concealment of a murder, and I think it indicates local knowledge. Mm. In other words, someone knows something. (laughs) Police could identify the woman from things found with the body, but there were uh, simply too many records due to the Second World War's high number of reported missing people for a uh, formal identification to actually be made. That makes sense, and that sucks. It sucks bad. So basically, they figured out who it was without actually figuring out who it was. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got that? Okay, yeah, maybe. Okay. They compared their information with reports of missing people from around the area. Still, none of them appeared to match the evidence. So they also contacted dentists across the nation because the, uh, you know, her teeth and the dentistry was unique. Right. Um, you see, the uh, teeth were actually also made of taffeta. I told you it was candy. Yeah, which in itself is pretty crazy. That's just nonsense. Anyway, the crepe-soled shoes were traced to the Waterfoot Company, which is crazy for a shoe company called Waterfoot. Is it because they don't want you to have water in your foot or because when you walk on it, it's like walking on water? (gasps) That's an awesome thing, actually. That's that's actually pretty ingenious. See? That's pretty ingenious. Pretty smart. Well, they were based in Lancashire. Lancashire? Yes. So investigators found the owners of all but six pairs, which had been sold from a market stall in Dudley, a town approximately 11 miles or 18 kilometers from Birmingham. It uh, would be kind of hard to walk, though, in really thin pancakes to me, though. Unless it was like walking on water, though. Yeah, but I mean, just crepes. I I could feel like they would just... I mean, unless there's like some cream filling in there, maybe. Like maybe like an old Belgian waffle. Ooh, yeah. Walking on that, I feel like you could... You ever seen like the Japanese style pancakes are like three inches thick and it's just air. It's just fluff. No. Fucking, oh. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, I had my first sake bomb yesterday. Oh, did you know? Yeah. How do you bomb the sake? Um, apparently, you take the sake and you put it on. So there's beer in a glass. Okay. And then you take uh, a pair of chopsticks and you set it on top and then you put your shot on top of that. that. And then you smack the table and it drops in and you have to drink it real quick. Interesting. Well, we there was like seven or eight of us all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven or eight of us. And then... Uh, one of our friends decided to just smash the table really hard. <laughs> and it was like a catastrophe. We're like, what's going on? And everybody, we thought glasses broke and shit. Yeah, it was pretty wild. But that was my first one. I've never had one. 
Alrighty then. It was delicious. Never really had sake before, so oh, I love sake. Except when they just pour it down your throat at the the hibachi places. Th- that could you, just be water. But then you've had sake. Is yeah, that, is that, that sake for sure? Okay, so I've had sake. I've been fucked up off of that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the complexity of the investigation caused the trail to become colder with each passing week. The numerous tragedies of war soon distracted people, uh, the public, and police attention from the tree murder riddle and the woman remained unidentified, and the case became cold. Ooh, okay, obviously, you know, and it sucks for her and yes. for finding out, you know, more on her, but at the time, there was kind of a war going on and shit. Oh, you know what I mean? So, then about six months later, mysterious graffiti began to appear in the area. Mm. Okay? Who put Lubella down the witch elm? Hagley Wood. Okay, that's what it said. Ooh. was written in graffiti on a wall in Birmingham's Upper Dean Street in 1944 in reference to the mystery. This gave detectives some fresh leads for figuring out who the victim might have been. But how did they know who she was? Oh. How did they know she was put there and was spray paint even available back then? What the hell did they use to do that then? <laughs> no, it was not because it was invented in 1949. You're fucking welcome. Were they time travelers? Oh. Okay, I'm just kidding. It was chalk. That's ah, what they okay. used. Yeah, okay, they were okay. using chalk. Gotcha. How funny would it be if they actually had spray paint? It wasn't even... Anyway, moving on. <laughs> the same handwriting also appeared in other messages with similar graffiti, slightly amended to ask who put Bella in the witch elm. The graffiti seemed to indicate that somebody knew who killed Bella. Still, the police's attempts to find the person who wrote the messages proved unsuccessful. Then in the late 1940s, new messages started asking the same question. Was this a clue, or was somebody taunting them? Mm-hmm. Was someone just fucking around? Maybe. The, uh, the case, of course, gripped the entire nation. The mysterious messages and the victim's lack of identity prompted all kinds of bullshit theories. Messages have occasionally appeared on the Hagley Obelisk uh, close to where the woman's body was recovered since at least 1970s, and still... Like there's, I, I look, I actually researched this on Reddit and stuff mm-hmm. and there's people that are like, I just saw this, like someone wrote that a couple years ago. Oh shit. Like currently, you know what I mean? So it's still something, but I also heard that it's called a graffito. I guess that's, I, that's the term I saw. A graffito. And it's kind of like a, you know, like Jack was here, uh, just something basic that people gotcha. do. So now it almost seems like that's become part of the, you know, the, the culture as far as like tagging stuff. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah. So, I mean. Does one correlate the other? In a, in a way, I mean, it sucks because they're still doing it, and it's like, well, you're fucking around. Yeah, now you're just being an ass. But it's also keeping this story alive, too. Correct. You know, so you drive by, and you don't know what that means, and you see who put Bella in the witch home. You're like, what the hell is that? And then right. you look it up, and you're like, oh, shit. You know, like what we did. Yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> like, truthfully, yeah, 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 yeah. So who was Bella, and why was she shoved into the tree trunk? Mm. That's what we're here for, right? That is exactly what we're here for. So during World War II, several German spies were captured in the UK. As a result, in 1953, the case of Bella and the Witch Elm attracted a new line of inquiry. Oh. Hmm? War espionage. Of course. (laughs) Those red commie bastards. The, oh God, this word. The Wolverhampton Express and Star received a letter. I'm assuming that's (laughs) that's a a newspaper over there at the time. Yeah. Wolverhampton, whatever, okay. Uh, anyway, they received a letter from someone uh, who identified herself only as Anna of Claverly. Hmm. Okay, she claimed to have uh, to have information on the identity of Bella and was interviewed by journalist Wilford Byford Jones. Wilford Byford Jones. It's Bifford. It's not Bifford. It's Byford. Because I want to buy a Ford. Ah, okay. Ah, ah, right. See. see? Yeah. The letter from Anna. It read as follows. Quote. Finish your articles regarding the Witch Elm crime by all means. They are interesting to the readers. But you'll never solve the mystery. One person who could give the answers is now beyond the jurisdiction of earthly courts. Much as I hate having to use a nom de plume, I think you would appreciate it it if you knew me. The only clues that I can give you are that the person responsible for the crime died insane in 1942, and the victim was Dutch and alive illegally in England about 1941. I have no wish to recall anymore. Anna from Claverly. Oh, shit. Yeah. So she's basically saying, listen, I know who did it. Mm-hmm. Dude's dead. Oh, no. Like he went nuts. And and so he's no longer with us. That's I, I love how that, by the way, how just they, they talked back yeah, then. Yeah. Like, uh, is now beyond the jurisdiction of earthly courts. So they can only be judged by God himself. Bastards. That is pretty, uh. 
Pretty, pretty much worth that, yes. So according to Anna, Bella was a spy ring member seeking information about the location of local munitions factories that the Luftwaffe ah! <laughs> could then target. Anna was later identified as Una Mossop. Okay. Uh, she alleged that her um, RAF pilot husband, Jack Mossop, had witnessed Bella's death. Yes. She said Mossop told her he had become involved in a spy ring along with a, quote, Dutchman called Van Ralt. Oh. One evening, Van Ralt, accompanied a, by a woman Mossop believed to be Bella, had picked up Mossop in his car. Okay. So they're kind of together. He mm-hmm. picked her up. What a minute. Shortly after, Van Ralt strangled a woman allegedly because of her spy associations. Okay, so this is what this is what she's claiming right now. Another version of the story claims that Jack Mossop and Van Ralt had been drinking with Bella in a local pub when she became drunk and passed out. The two men then placed the woman in the tree to teach her a lesson. Unfortunately, when she awoke, she could not climb out and perished. Mm. And now, okay, we're going to kind of dissect these as we kind of go along. Okay. And it's horrible choice of words on that but a little bit yep <laughs> um anyway so we're gonna kind of talk about it so now if she were passed out mm-hmm. and they put her in there she's no rigor right she's pliable and it's two guys yes which would be a lot easier to move a person who is passed out. now she was only five foot tall so she's a small woman as it is yes so uh, i mean it, it it's possible yes it's feasible yes so yuna wrote quote um uh, March or April 1941 said he had been to the Littleton Arms with Van Ralt and uh, the Dutch piece, and she had gotten award, or she had gotten awkward and passed out. They went to a wood and stuck her in a hollow tree. Van Ralt said she would come to her senses the following morning. Okay. Mm. Now, I guess I really don't understand why if someone's passed out, you put them in a tree. Is that why they stay vertical the whole time? I, I don't know. It's weird. Instead of laying them against the tree, they could fall over and, you know... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, she might fall over. Um, let's put her in the tree. Yeah, no one can mess with her there. She'll stand up straight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. However, this theory doesn't explain the discovery of the taffeta stuffed inside her mouth. Mm. Why would they do that? Right. Whichever version was reported to the newspaper has become obscured by time. What is known is that Jack Mossop, remember what we said earlier, uh-huh. Jack Mossop died in St. George's Hospital uh, in Stafford before Bella's body was discovered. Allegedly recurring nightmares of Bella's skull stuffed it inside the tree ultimately led to his mental breakdown. Mm. Van Ralt was never found. That's the other guy, Van Ralt. And investigators considered Mossop's testimony to be nothing more than hearsay from an estranged wife told 12 years after the discovery of the woman known as Bella. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So basically there's no factual there's no factual information found there other right. than the fact that the dude did die and she did say in fact that the person involved in her killing did die of insanity later. Right. So that kind of eh, you know. Okay, okay. Another possibility is based on information from a declassified MI5 dossier about Joseph Jacobs or Josef Jacobs. Maybe. Right? Yosef, definitely. <laughs> I'll give myself that one. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, Yosef Jacobs, he was uh, executed at the Tower of London on August 15th of 1941. Uh, agent for the Abwehr, he parachuted into Cambridgeshire in 1941, but fractured his ankle upon landing. Oof. Okay. The home guard quickly detained him. They caught his ass. However, a picture of his alleged lover, German cabaret singer and actress Clara Barley, 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 Clara Barley. Look at me, I am an actress. <laughs> I don't know why she's German. I don't even know why I'm doing that. Uh, but anyway, this picture was actually discovered on him. Okay, Jacobs claimed uh, claimed that she was being trained as a spy, and if he made contact, she might have been sent to England in his place. Oh. According to multiple witnesses, Clara Ballet was roughly six foot tall, uh, mm. or 180 centimeters, uh, compared to uh, Bella's five feet stature. That's yeah, a big difference. Right. Still, there is no proof that she was parachuted into England, okay? And it was discovered in September of 2016 that Clara Barlet passed away on December 16th of 1942 in Berlin. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, an episode of the uh, television program Nazi Murder Mysteries, which is pretty wild, mm. uh, described a forensic facial reconstruction undertaken by the Liverpool John Moores University's Face Lab from photographs of the skull, and it was commissioned by Andrew Spark for his books on the incident. He should have named it Face Off instead of Face Lab. 
You get yours. I had to get one of get yours. Yes, yes. So yeah, they, they so they did a re, uh, facial reconstruction thing, and we'll talk about it. Someone else did too, and you, yeah, you'll see what's going on. And you can actually, we'll post a picture of of the facial reconstruction that they actually have too as well. Jeez. So Steve Punt proposed two potential victims in a Radio 4 program that was first broadcast in August of 2014. A Birmingham sex worker alerted the police to one potential victim in 1944. She said in the report that a different sex worker named Bella, who operated on the Hagley Road, uh, had vanished roughly three years earlier. By using the name Bella or Lou Bella, the graffiti artist may have known, these graffiti artists may have known who the victim actually was, especially if she was a... A street worker of, you know, if people knew her and she was in that area. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That would make sense. Right. So one notion that surfaced, this one's kind of messed up. Uh, One notion that surfaced early in the investigation was that Bella could have been the victim of a black magic ritual. According to anthropologist professor Margaret Murray, the fact that Bella's hand was severed from her arm and the bones scattered seemed to uh, seem similar to an occult ceremony known as the Hand of Glory. Mm. Mm. She also concluded that the murder was somehow connected to another case potentially involving witchcraft. The murder of Charles Walton, who was stabbed and penned to the ground with his own pitchfork in the nearby village of Lower Quinton. Wow. Could you imagine? No. Oh, boy. So I don't carry pitchforks? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't do that either. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Developing the theory that witchcraft was involved, it was noted that the plant Belladonna, also known as Deadly Nightshade. Deadly Nightshade. It's the Nightshade. Is widely associated with the occult. According to local legend, so is Hagley Woods. Oh. Okay. Bella Donna. Get it? Bella. Her name's Bella. They call her Bella. And it's it's it was prevalent in the area. Mm-hmm. And Nightshade is part of the witchcraft. And Hagley is part of the witchcraft. So they're putting it all together in one big stupid witch pot. And get it? Witch, witch pot, witch elm, witch. Get it? We getting it? I'm still confused. Yeah, me too. Okay, yeah. keep going. Um, no, they get it. Everyone gets it, right? I hope so. <laughs> it is kind of confusing. I'm not going to lie. It is. It's just, it, there's so many theories. And, and So many theories. And, and none of them are really like, there's one we'll talk about at the very end that I think is probably the most probable. That's the one with Edward and Jacob, right? Who? What? Did you say Edward and Jacob? Yeah. I don't know who that is. Twilight. <clears throat> hey, Logan. Hi. How are you? I'm great. You know what I love? Me? Of course. And... I love beer. Oh, my God, same. Yeah? Yeah. And I love craft beer. Yes. And there's nothing better than a good craft beer, especially when you're trying something new from different breweries and whatnot. Of course. It's awesome. And guess what? What? Our listeners can now sign up for the Craft Beer Club. No way. Yeah, buddy. And right now, you can go to our website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com, click on Sponsor Deals, and in there, you're going to find yourself a chance to save $30 off of 12 shipments of 12 beers per shipment. Wow. Yeah. Or save $60 off of 12 shipments of 24 beers per shipment. That's a whole case. That's a lot. It's a lot of beer. That's good. A lot of good beer. Plus, guess what? What? Free shipping. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Craft Beer Club. I mean, I'm in. I'm already signing up. Right? Right. We should totally do that. And we want you to sign up as well. So get on over to our website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com, and get yourself some beer. Speaking of, where's my beer? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, according to, uh, again, the uh, local legend, you know, Hagley Woods is also really, like, a big part of the witchcraft scene, I guess. Witchcraft scene. Witches and witch elms. According to Professor Murray, Bella being entombed inside a tree rather than buried was proof of a ritualistic slaying. Mm. The theory that Bella was executed for some crime against a coven quickly gathered steam and remains a favorite theory even today. However... Investigators on the case dismissed the idea, declaring that the bones from Bella's hand had simply been scattered by animal fuckery. Interesting. Yeah, so an animal was probably in there, and she was unfortunately probably like all decayed and whatever, so they were like... Munch, munch. Yeah. Could you imagine a little squirrel like... (laughs) Takes it over and be like, hey, let me give you a hand. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) No? No? (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Another hypothesis emerged in 1953. This theory claims that the victim was a Dutch woman named Clarabella Donker, Drunkers, excuse me, who had been murdered by a German spy ring made up of a British officer. Aha, remember that one? Yeah. A Dutchman, mm-hmm, we talked mm-hmm. about that, and a music hall performer because she, quote, knew too much. 
And unfortunately, the story could not be supported by the available records of evidence. Now, I don't know if that one is related to the one we talked earlier, right? but the names were different and everything I looked up in there were completely different. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Yes, yes, there is. Where it's like, I don't even know, like, it, it's just weird. It's weird. And this is, you're talking back in the 40s. Right. During so, a war, it's kind of hard to keep track of things. Right. You know what I mean? Kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's, 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 ah, whatever. So the murderer who shoved a piece of taffeta fabric into Bella's mouth and cut her hand, ritualistically maiming the body, was never caught, supposedly, right? Mm -hmm. Allegedly. Yes. However, Carolyn Wilkinson was a specialist tasked with reconstructing... Uh, reconstructing? That's reconstructing. a That's a good word. Hmm. Reconstructing Richard III's face after the royal's remains, after his, you know, remains, were discovered beneath a parking lot in Leicester. It's kind of fucked up that Richard III's body was... Yes, yes. <laughs> ...under a parking lot. Just fucked yeah it's whatever so wilkinson reconstructed bella's features okay and to attach a face to the name the professor of craniofacial identification that's a thing you nailed that one thank you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, this is at dundee university examined images taken at the time as we know the genuine skull was found by the four young schoolboys or perverts mm -hmm. that were collecting bird eggs or peeping on ladies in a dense forest still she was unable to utilize it for a reason According to Birmingham counselor Pete Douglas Osborne, an authority on the Bella case, the police have uh, <clears throat> they've misplaced a uh, very critical piece of evidence. Oh yeah, yeah. That doesn't seem like it uh, would ever happen. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty important. Um, West Midlands police uh, they've confirmed. Uh, well, basically they stated, "quote Searches have been made by the police museum volunteers, and they have confirmed that we have no exhibits, and they have been unable to locate any documentation that may relate to this case in either of the West Midlands police museums." Yeah. They lost the skull. Hmm. Yes. Kind of hard to misplace a human skull. <sighs> or is it? <laughs> I think Only that, I if you know what or may have partaken in this crime itself and you're trying to get rid of some evidence, you know what I mean? Oh. oh. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know why it makes me giggle every time. <laughs> so, quote, additionally, searches were carried out uh, carried out by our force records team, who have confirmed that there is no relevant documentation held with the major investigative team or in external storage. Okay. Hmm. So, was, is it possible that this is just a made-up story? I mean, there's a lot of newspaper reports. There's, there's uh, you know, police from back then or whatever, but there is nothing, they have nothing outside of the... The, the newspapers and the people supposedly that were not, well, they're not even alive anymore. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, yes, I know it's real, but it, it has this tinge of, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe they're trying to make it seem like that because it's an inside job. May, maybe, maybe. So she explained that the skull was from uh, when Hagley was inside the West Midlands police jurisdiction. jurisdiction. Uh, you know, and of course that was an extremely long time ago. It was first kept at Forensics Lab in uh, uh, Birmingham before being transferred to the Tally Ho Police Station on Pershore Road. Tally Ho! <laughs> which, which police station are you taking me to? Tally Ho, sir! <laughs> Here, have a spot of tea. Now shut up. The, lo the location of the skull is unknown, like we were talking here, and a spokeswoman actually acknowledged this, all right? The book, Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm, includes the arresting images, uh, or the image, should I say, of Bella, who was thought to be a Nazi agent, supposedly. Mm. Birmingham Councilman Osborne is um, deeply interested in one of England's most puzzling crimes, and he's hopeful that it will finally yield some explanations here. When the remains were discovered on April 18th of 1943, his late father, squadron leader William Douglas Osborne, was actually tasked with guarding the crime scene on the southern edge of the black country. Oh, oh. Kind of crazy, right? Interesting. Yeah. Quote, I believe she was killed before 1941, says Peter. Quote, the reconstruction is impressive. Now it's a question of asking members of the public to thumb through family albums. Anyone who had direct contact with her is probably dead. And he's not wrong. No. Yeah. That, that is a statement. Yeah. Additionally, the mystery has persisted because of intermittent graffiti outbreaks in the neighborhood, with the first one showing up six months after the body was discovered. The same question appears in every handwritten note. Quote, who put Bella in the witch elm? The tags occasionally still show up, like I said earlier, even today. That's crazy. But who Bella was is should be the most important question here, right? Yes. Like, who was Bella? You know? Mm -hmm. 
So the book's author here um, admits that he believes the spy theory. This is the, the book we're talking about here. Um, the spy theory, he believes it, but notes that there's there's only circumstantial evidence and no actual proof right. whatsoever. Another distraction, of course, is the graffiti. He speculates that the original ones may have been carried out by an ex-lover who wanted the matter to be revived. Or it was the kids who did the graffiti to start off with. Because it happened like just after they found the remains. About six months after. Right. Yeah. So those kids are like, well, who the fuck is this? And why aren't we doing anything about it? It's who put Bella in the witch elm? Because, I mean, kids are going to have very easy access to chalk. Yeah. You would, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, they were they were little, you know, like teenagers. Yeah, teenagers, but still, I mean, as yeah. a teenager, if I found a dead body and six months goes by and they still can't figure out who the person was that died at least, I'm like, yeah, dude, I do something like that. It's not a bad uh, theory, yeah, my friend. It's probably one of the better theories. <laughs> as some of these are, yeah. <laughs> or they say that it could just be copycats. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the police have previously disregarded any claims of Satanism and officially said that the position of... The dispersed bones suggested, again, that wild animals had moved them. Yeah, the body's okay. been there for a while, so that does kind of make sense. Right. Alongside uh, all of these theories, there was speculation that Bella may have been someone with a transient lifestyle, mm. a person not easily traced in life and thus not particularly missed in death. Aww. In August of 2014, BBC Radio 4 broadcast uh, a program that suggested that Bella was a prostitute who worked the streets around Hagley. We kind of mentioned that earlier. Yeah. According to police files, Bella had disappeared in 1941, which would fit the timeline of events. So there was someone, a, a prostitute at the time, right. a, a night walker, a, a lady of the night. A night walker. I thought you were going to start talking about vampires and blade <laughs> and stuff. A sex worker. Whatever you know, nomenclature you want to use. Anyway, there was one, and she did disappear around this time. Right. Okay. And uh, in addition, locals pointed out the fact that gypsies had camped out in the vicinity of Hagley Woods during 1941. Maybe Bella was one of those gypsies and had been killed by a member of her own community. And yet another suggestion was that Bella was a local barmaid killed by an American GI. Oh. Yeah, which is kind of messed up. With no concrete evidence to support them, these various theories ultimately led absolutely nowhere. One straightforward and perhaps most probable hypothesis is that Bella was a homeless woman with no loved ones to report her missing. Quite simply, she may have been a woman who just fell through the cracks. Someone just may have just murdered her. Right. You know what I mean? All right. So, but I will leave you with this. And I know this is a little bit shorter of an episode here, but there's really not a lot out there. No. Okay. I'll leave you with this, my dear passengers. And to you. Oh. Logan. If she were a prostitute, a throwaway, a derelict of society, then why was she wearing a wedding ring? Oh, 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 oh. It would appear that someone somewhere loved our lost, forgotten Bella of the Witch Elm. Whoever she may have been. And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? All right. Yeah, I know it's a little bit shorter of an episode than we're normally used to, but I mean, again, there's not a ton of information out there. And even the stuff you do find, there's something else that says it's like I was going through and finding like the books and in, in, in the one book and, and the information that we had, it wasn't even the right author. Right. So then I go and I find the right author and then I'm like, are we, is it, are, is this, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just, it's just I don't know. There's so much misinformation. There's so much going on there. All, all we know is, is that there was a woman who was found, and we have no idea who she was. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, Probably so never will since they lost the skull. And right. Well, they like I said, they do have the facial reconstruction picture, and yeah. we'll make sure to post that, and you guys can look at it, pass it around, let people know. Maybe somebody, you know, again, go through, um, especially over in England or whatever, yeah. go through um, family albums and stuff, and see if she looks somewhat familiar. Right. You know what I mean? So, so today in the movies, we're going to be talking about the 10 best movies based on real-life mysteries and unsolved crimes. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. I don't care. I don't care. All right. So uh, now this one's not really numbered, so we're just going to kind of go through these here. But uh, the first one on the list, and I love this movie, yeah. is The Mothman Prophecies. Yeah. You haven't seen That's that. That's a movie. <laughs> breaks my heart breaks my heart really you've never seen it Richard Gere 
Mm-mm. I know Richard Gere. I don't know the Mothman prophecies, though. Well, for any of those out there who happen to be locked in a closet for their, most of their life... <laughs> that is me. I'll explain. John Klein, a.k.a. Richard Gere, is a journalist whose life spirals out of control after his wife is involved in a car accident while trying to avoid a mysterious flying creature. A short while later, she dies from a brain tumor, and John finds drawings of the creature from the accident. John becomes obsessed with the strange beast. His research brings him to the town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where residents have reported seeing a similar creature. Described as a winged beast with glowing red eyes. Later dubbed the Mothman. Caught ya. It seems every time there is a Mothman sighting, a tragedy soon follows. The Mothman Prophecies is based on a 1975 book by the same name. The events in the novel are reportedly based on actual events that took place in Point Pleasant in the late 1960s, including the collapse of the Silver Bridge. And if you want to learn more, go back and listen to our episode on the Mothman. Yeah. Because there's been supposedly, um, um, purportedly, um, sightings of him before, like, big, big events. Like, uh, what was it? The the, 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 the big uh, hollow, the nuclear power plant that uh, collapsed. What was that? Over in Russia. Oh, uh, Chernobyl. Uh, Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one there when there was a big, huge mining accident where, like, the mine, like, exploded and a bunch of people died and stuff. He was spotted there. Like, mm. so, yeah, go back and listen to that. I, I'm not 100% sure what episode it is, but you guys can find it. Get on there and, and, and figure it out because, I, first of all, I love the story, mm-hmm. but I love the movie. And the movie is one of those movies that every time I watched it, and I've seen it, like, so many times, I always see something new. Oh. And it's, like, this minuscule little thing where I stop it, and I'm like, what, 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 what? And you go back and look and look, you know, dude, it's so good. So good. So good. Uh, The next one up here is uh, from 1982. This is The Entity. Let me guess. You've probably seen this one because I haven't, right? No. (laughs) The Entity is a chilling film about a woman who is sexually assaulted by an invisible being. Ah. Okay. Barbara Hershey stars as Carla Moran, a single mother living in Los Angeles with her three children. One night, Carla is attacked by an unseen force. After visiting a doctor who doubts the supernatural tale, she uh, she is put in contact with a sympathetic therapist. When Carla returns home, the attacks continue and are witnessed by her children and friends. Eventually, Carla meets a team of parapsychologists who agree to help rid her home of the entity, which leads to a terrifying showdown. Oh. The film is adapted from a 1978 novel of the same name by Frank de la Frank de la De Felita. De Felita. Frank DeFitti! Baba de Boopy. <laughs> the events are based on the actual 1974 case of Doris Blither, a woman who claimed to have been sexually assaulted by an invisible being. That's pretty oh, no. wild. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I don't know. I've never even heard of that before. No, All right, I'm going to have to check that one out. Uh, this one is uh, 2010, All Good Things. Ah, uh, yes. Have you seen this? I have not. <laughs> The film is loosely based on an accused uh, on accused murderer Robert Durst, a real estate tycoon who was suspected of killing his wife, friend, and neighbor. Upon seeing the movie, Durst was compelled to contact the director, Andrew Jarecki, and give his version of the story. Oh, mm. That's pretty wild. Ryan Gosling plays David Marks, reportedly based on Durst, while Kirsten Dunst stars as Katie McCarthy, Mark's wife. Eventually, Katie wants out of the marriage and out of the Marks family for good, but disappears after threatening to expose financial secrets. Oh. Adding to Marks' troubles, a friend and neighbor soon end up dead. The film gives its version of events, but whether Marks is responsible is ultimately left for the viewer to decide. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of Ryan Gosling. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> eh. He's a guy who does stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, there is that one movie that he did where it was like, uh, like Nicolas Cage did a, a, a very similar style movie called, uh, what was it like Fury or something like that? Or Drive Angry. It's called Drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah His yeah. movie was called Drive. His, and then, and I think Ryan Gosling's was Drive Angry, right? Or was it Nick Cage's was Drive Angry? Uh, I know. I, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm pretty sure Ryan Gosling's was just Drive. Drive, right? I he, think. Just angry. He drives angry. He doesn't say anything. He just looks angry. I don't know. That's. That's like his whole shtick is just he just looks. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't really say much. Yeah, he just. Looks. He's also the guy from the Notebook. So yeah, you know, never seen it, never will. So there's that. Yeah. It's all right. It's just one of those movies where it's like it's a they, Hallmark classic. They man. want you to cry at yeah. the end of it. You know, like oh, we're gonna we're gonna make everyone weep like bitches. Watch, you know, and it works. Yeah, yeah. At the end of it, you're like, who's cutting onions? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Next one up is from 2001. 
from hell. That's right. The Jack the Ripper case gets the big movie treatment in From Hell, a mystery horror film directed by the Hughes brothers, Johnny Depp, oh, your boy. Yeah. Have you seen this one? I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen all of it. I don't even know why you do this segment with me. <laughs> uh, he, anyway, Johnny Depp plays Frederick Aberline, the real-life investigator of the Ripper murders. From Hell portrays Aberline as an opium addict who often relies on psychic visions to solve cases. The film puts its own spin on the historic case with suspects ranging from the Freemasons to members of the royal family. While the Hughes Brothers version of events is rather far-fetched, it is at least uh, it, it, it at least presents a valid argument as to why the actual Ripper murders were never solved. Got yeah. From Hell is based in part on the graphic novel of the same name by Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell. Moore has several works that were adapted into movies, including The Watchmen. Oh, that's awesome. Great. <gasps> the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I love that movie. And V for Vendetta. That's also a really Which good is movie. amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we did an episode on Jack the Ripper. Actually, a two-parter, so you guys yeah. can go back and listen to that. Um, remember when we went out for your birthday? Yes. And we had ourselves a drink at yes. the end of the night? Yes, yes. And said drink was uh, gr- greenish? Green? Great. Yes. And quite disgusting. Yes. Yes. That was uh, what? Absinthe. We had ourselves some absinthe. Yes. Correct. Um, that, in this movie, is the first time I saw anyone actually make it. Really? With the like sugar cube and, and the, the dripping, the, and, the dripping and then the fire and stuff like that on it. We didn't get the fire because yeah. they, they screwed us. But anyway, I wanted the fire. I know. Fire, fire. <laughs> <laughs> Come down, Cornelio. <laughs> oh, dude. Jesus. <laughs> So uh, the next one on our list is 1979's The Amityville Horror. Seen it. You, the original? And the remake. You've seen the original, though? Yeah. Oh, okay. In 1975, Ronald DeFeo Jr. murdered his family while they slept. And legit, he did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> A year later, the Lutz family moved in, but soon left, claiming the house was haunted. The house itself, located in Amityville, New York, would become a popular destination for ghost hunters and fans of true crime. The events became the subject of several books and movies, Perhaps none more famous than the Amityville Horror. While it's ultimately left to the viewer to decide if you believe the story, the film depicts the alleged hauntings as truth. The Amityville Horror leaves no bloody stone unturned as it weaves its supernatural tale. The film has many scares and gross-out moments, including creepy voices, red eyes without a face, and blood oozing from the walls. Let me guess. It said Red Rum. Wrong wrong movie. Damn. Damn it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, you have seen that one? Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I actually just uh, uh, had your little sister, Charlie. Yeah. She actually just watched the uh, the new one. Oh, yeah. The newer one, yeah. should I say, with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. 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 It's all right. It's, it's very good. This one, next one, 1976. This movie's old as shit. Because that's when I was born. Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Uh, I'm going to assume you've never seen this? Actually, I have. Have you? Really? <laughs> yeah, I have. I actually have seen it because I've never seen this. Really? Yeah. yeah, I've seen it. It's all right. It's very, uh, it's very slow. Oh, yeah. So based on the unsolved Texarkana Moonlight murders of 1946, we've also covered that. Go back and listen. Man, we do a lot of these. I know. We should make movies. We should. Uh, the town that dreaded sundown is one of the earliest slasher films coming before such horror classics as Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Yes. Yeah. The town that dreaded sundown plays like an R-rated episode of Dateline complete with a narrator detailing the facts of the case. In 1946, the town of Texarkana is terrorized by a hooded serial killer dubbed The Phantom. The the murderer targets couples in parked cars and later in their homes before disappearing as police close in. The narrator suggests the killer is still at large and could be living in plain sight. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, uh, I have not seen that. You said you have seen it? Yeah, it was all right. It was... Yeah. yeah. What was wrong with it? It was just, it felt slow. It felt boring. Like, there was a lot of, like, really gruesome scenes where, like, people were getting stabbed and shit ton, like Slasher would, but it was just, I don't know. It, it didn't it didn't pique my interest. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear. Yeah. All right, this one, 2019, The Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it's really good. It's actually a really good movie. You saw it? And it's got uh, it's got my boy in there. It's got Robert De Niro. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You're talking to me. You... Are you are you talking to me? I gotta I gotta work on that. I got the face down. That's all I can do. I think I think we all got the face down. Yeah. <laughs> all you gotta squint. do is just look like you're in pain. Yeah. Like you just got done eating a big meal. I just crossed my legs and pinched my balls. Yeah. Oh, like, oh that's a gas bubble. <laughs> oh. 
Actually, you know what? If you look at it closer, he's actually always looking like he doesn't know if it's a fart or if he's going to shit himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he looks like like he's sitting there like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Ooh. Should I? No, I won't do it. Anyway, so the latest film from Martin Scorsese attempts to answer one of America's enduring mysteries. What happened to Jimmy Hoffa, which we are going to do an episode on. We're going to do yeah. Jimmy Hoffa for sure. Jimmy Hoffa. James Riddlehoffa was the president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. He was a controversial figure with ties to the mob who vanished without a trace in 1975. Like, legit, they've got fuck all on that. Scorsese gets the gang back together for The Irishman. Robert De Niro stars in the title role of Frank Sheeran, a labor union member who becomes Hoffa's right-hand man. And is the dad to Ed Sheeran. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't think that's true. Uh Yeah. Al Pacino. Ha! (laughs) That's my Al Pacino. Ha! Al Pacino stars as Hoffa, while Joe Pesci, hey, you know, Joe Pesci, that guy, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's horrible today, I'm not good at these, uh, not these ones, anyway, and Joe Pesci comes out of retirement to play mob boss Russell uh, Buffalino, the film is long, clocking in at nearly three and a half hours, but unlike real life, the Irishman lets viewers know the fate of the missing teamster, oh, yeah, and if you haven't seen it, it's a really cool movie, especially the ending, because again, it does kind of like, they kind of give, the, the movie gives their... Uh, answer to what happened to him. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, next up, we have 2005 Wolf Creek. Ooh. Yeah. This one's Australian. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's Australian. It's Australian. Right. The Australian horror film claims to be based on true events and contains similarities to the actual murders of several backpackers killed in the Australian outback between 1989 and 1993. That's pretty good. I had it until the end. And yeah. It fell right off. Fuck. Yeah. So anyway, no, uh, it's I've seen this one. It's pretty cool. And it's it's uh, The Backpack Murders, which uh, is a really uh, fucked up story over there. The film follows a trio of hikers who become a, uh, stranded in Wolf Creek National Park after their car breaks down. A local man who inter- introduces himself as Mick Taylor stumbles upon the group and offers assistance. Oh, is Mick like a really popular name out there? I Mick. Mick Dundee. Yeah, I know Dundee. Yeah. I love those movies. That's not a knife. That's not a knife. No, that's a knife. That's a knife. <laughs> So at first, Mick seems like a you know stereotypical Australian character, a slovenly version of Crocodile Dundee. Ah. The trio soon realizes Mick has more in common with Jason Voorhees than any Aussie film star. That's pretty epic. Yeah, and it's based off of the actual backpack murders. It's pretty fucked up. Hey, Logan. Hi. How's it going? It's great. Great. Um, Question. Yeah. Do you like wine? I love wine. Yeah. We're big wine drinkers in my house, as you very well know. Oh, of course. And... I like all kinds of different sorts of wine. Same. And if our passengers tend to be the same way, oh, guess what? What? We actually have a deal to save them some money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You can actually sign up for the Gold Medal Wine Club wine sale right now. It, uh, you can save up to 51% off award-winning and hard-to-find wines. Three bottle minimum. You can mix and match your favorites with free shipping on 12 bottles or more. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's a good deal. Stock up on your wine. Save some money. Just head on over to the MidnightTrainPodcast.com. Click on Sponsor Deals. Scroll your little fingers down to the bottom. Find that beautiful wine club in there. Click on it and uh, be magically whisked away to the land of wine. Do it. I like wine. This one goes out to Jeff Butchko because I know how in love with this movie he is. Yeah. 1993's Fire in the Sky. Nice. Okay. Yeah. In the fall of 1975, logger Travis Walton disappeared while working in the woods of Snowflake, Arizona. His co-workers told police he was taken by an alien spacecraft. Mm. Authorities suspected Walton was the victim of foul play at the hands of his fellow loggers and dismissed the UFO abduction story as an elaborate cover-up. Residents of Snowflake, along with police, were shocked when Walton turned up alive five days later. Fire in the Sky is told from both Walton's point of view and that of his fellow loggers. The film's most terrifying sequence takes place aboard the alien ship as Walton details his abduction while under hypnosis. Wow. You can go back and listen to that episode as well. That's a good episode. That's a good and we're just covering all kinds of stuff. I don't mean we're just really, really efficient. We we are. Yes. We are efficient. And epic as fuck. We're epic as fuck. Hold on, where's that at? It's <laughs> pretty good. Oh, God. Now I'm going to actually use that as a button now, not just a drink pop. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on our list is uh, 2007 Zodiac. Who was the Zodiac Killer? 
and is perhaps the most famous of all unsolved murder cases. Zodiac is a serial killer who terrorized Northern California in the late 1960s. The suspect taunted police with a series of letters sent to area news agencies. The letters often included threats, um, threats, admissions of guilt, and cryptograms, which, if I'm not mistaken, I believe just recently a group of uh, really smart-ass nerds mm-hmm. actually deciphered some more of that. Really? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, because uh, I don't think we've covered Zodiac just because it's such a well-known and big case. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we ever have because I, I just don't want to do it in one episode. I kind of want to like make it bigger. Yeah. And I don't I don't I don't know. Did we? no? We didn't do Zodiac. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Yeah. So we will. Ah. Anyway, the film follows the exploits of police detectives as they investigate a series of dead ends while trying to track down Zodiac. Meanwhile, a cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle successfully solves one of Zodiac's puzzles. He is initially mocked until crime reporter Paul Avery, a.k.a. RDJ. He's amazing. Uh Mm. Realizes he may be on to something. Have you seen pictures of RDJ lately? He's super skinny. He's gone vegan. He's shaved everything. He looks sickly. Oh, boy. I know. It sucks. Oh, boy. Can we send him a hamburger? Do you think he'd be upset with that? Do you think he'd be more upset if we took him partying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he he was a partier back in the day. I partied with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Back when he was fun and on drugs. <laughs> so this one also had, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mark Ruffalo in it, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake, yeah, uh, that's Riley's boyfriend. Boyfriend, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fun. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, anyway. Have one. Yes. So listen, uh, so that was Bella and the Witch Elm. That was the movies. Yes. This is the first episode of 2020. Thrizzle. Thrizzle? Yeah. For Rizzle. We're creeping up on four years. Mm. We started this in 2019. Mm. That's math, right? Yes. Yes. That, that is math. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's been a hell of a ride, man. Like, you know, we've had all kinds of stuff, and we got some also some cool news that will be popping up soon. Oh, we do? Oh, oh yeah. Actually, we're supposed to talk about that. I almost forgot. Yeah, you did. Um, before we get into the whole happenstance and, and happenstance, I don't even know why I said that word. My brain. Listen, <laughs> today's the first. That means that New Year's Eve was yesterday. It means that I had a bit to drink yesterday. Did you know? But I didn't overdo it. You're, you I, fancy yourself a drinker, huh? Ah, a little bit. Wow. <laughs> did all right. So anyway, uh, I believe we're going to be bringing back uh, Icons and Outlaws, right? Uh, we said it was on hiatus, but I think we're going to start getting those episodes back going because oh, I know yeah. people are like really wanting the Metallica Part 2 episode to come. Yes. If you're not familiar with Icons and Outlaws, that's our other podcast all about the legends of the music world. Yes. Um, so those will probably be coming out, I'm going to say, probably monthly. Yeah. Just uh, for now. And then we are actually doing another. <laughs> it goes along with Icons and Outlaws. So uh, the Icons and Outlaws actual um, musicians episodes will be once a month mm-hmm. but we're also thinking about uh well we're starting up a uh, a music project we are we're jamming it might be a bonus right we're jamming oh i see the wink yeah that's good get that, they, get they, that. They, they can't hear that though wink wink there it is <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what we're gonna do is document um basically from the start of this thing um which i mean it started up already but we can always whatever and then yeah. we'll kind of just talk about what we do and how we go through it yeah right very uh queen very bohemian rhapsody <laughs> we're gonna make a movie tom holland's gonna be my uh my my guy who's gonna be <laughs> you're dying over there huh <laughs> tom holland's gonna be the guy who represents me i'm gonna have uh robert de niro play you like this yeah the, the whole time? time he's just gonna sing like that is that a fart i don't know if it's a fart <laughs> So anyway, yeah, look out for that because that's going to be coming soon, and we're excited about it, right? Of course, old Jay Frobuchko will be back with us. Yeah, he's excited. Yeah. Also, listen, make sure to stop over to our official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com. At our website, you can buy some super sweet, uh, super sweet you get merchandise and get all kinds of information. You can get all kinds of cool stuff over there. Just get get a shirt, support the show, show your friends, be cooler than them, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah please, please, please do that. Um, yeah, you can get all the informa- information you need. On the show over there, and uh, and if you like what you heard from us while you're there, hey, become a producer of the show by just clicking on the little Patreon button over there. Yeah, sign up. It's five bucks a month for well as little as you can go up, and there's actually a dollar tier on there too if you just want to support the show yeah, by man. doing that. You know, we love everything absolutely, and so it's super cool that people you know actually support us in that fact. So if you'd like yes. to do that, please do so because yes. we would appreciate it. And we'll have links in the show notes and stuff for you as well. And uh, you know, if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan, or listen, if you just want to be like, hey, guess what? I like these guys. Are you fighting with the tree right now? It won't leave me the fuck alone. We'll have to move that. It's like in my ear. Is that a witch elm? 
<laughs> it's not. I'm just kidding. Anyway, get over there and support the show. Help us out. Help yourself out. Get all the bonuses. Get all the cool stuff. You know what I mean? All the things. All the stuff. All the things. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only thing I know how to do. <laughs> so don't forget to follow us on all the socials. We're talking Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, subscribe over there. Subscribe and, and like and whatever. Follow on every single you know platform we're on if you can. If you listen on Spotify or Apple Music, do us a favor and give us a rating. Say something cool. Say, uh, I don't know, your, your De Niro impression sucks. I mean, it doesn't, though. But just get five stars. That's all I care. I don't care. I really don't. You can, five stars you, yeah. and, hey, you're yeah. De Niro. Yeah. You're De Niro sucks. Right. But your Pacino is on point. <laughs> <laughs> it works. So, yeah, over there you can do that for us. We can't thank you guys enough for everything you've do, done for us and following and listening and just, you know, being a part of the socials with us. And make sure you're getting over to our our private Facebook group because that's where all the cool stuff happens. It is. Yeah, it's fun time, fun times over there, if you know what I mean. So, uh, listen, we do have to say, uh, we got to say hi to, to some people. Oh. Yeah. We're going to take a walk down memory lane? Yeah, we got to say hi to our very, very special first-class passengers, those people who give us the money every year. <laughs> I just like that you're escalating to the dinner. I know. <laughs> I'm just, now I'm stuck in it. <laughs> I gotta figure that out. I gotta. I gotta find. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> to our beautiful first class passengers, thank you guys so much for everything you have done for us. To George De Jesus, Megan McTerry, Tomislav Saboda, Amanda Dens, Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Ramo, Kelly Ryan. I don't even know if your last name Joseph is like Spanish, but every time I say it, I say Aramo. 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 It's probably like Aramo. Aramo. Yeah. Joseph Aramo. Okay. Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Janet Sherell, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb over there at the Fun Box, Christina Skelton, and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skelton Podcast. Make sure you guys check them out. Uh, Maria Gibbs, two chainsaw. What the fuck? To Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabinick, and hold on. It's a new year. Oh, yeah. And you know who I'm going to say. I do. And you know what you got to do. The Jewish lady. Of course, our boy Bill Birch. Oh, good for you. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> it's an applause for all you guys because you're absolutely amazing. So do us a favor, spread the word for us. Tell everyone if you can, and if you can't, well, do it anyway. Anyway, just do it, honey. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess just stay safe out there. And uh, happy New Year! Happy New Year! And and choo choo, motherfucker! Now go home and get your fucking shine box. You hear some bitches itching for another brother to discover like no other. Like a motherfucker, lick the icky like I was a sucker. Knuckles